Welcome to the Women's Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Sheridan House. We continue today in the series, Reflection, a Study of Philippians. If you missed any part of this series, you can find it and others online at sheridanhouse.org backslash WBS. We hope you enjoy today's lesson. We, I, I just was thinking as I was preparing this lesson yesterday, how amazing it is that we are reflecting and thinking about heroes and mentors on the week of Veterans Day, where our country has spent the, the weekend and uh, Monday reflecting on the veterans that have poured so much into our lives, into our country, so that we could have some of the wonderful blessings that we have. And here we are talking about heroes and mentors. How perfect is that? And another thing that happened um, this past Sunday after we left church, Bob and I went out to dinner, waitress ministry, um, anyway, and uh, we went out to, to lunch, dinner, dinner, and we were sitting there and all of a sudden we looked up and here was a couple, probably at the most in their early 50s, but perhaps mid 40s, and the gentleman um, wheeled in his wife in a wheelchair. I have never, ever in all my life seen anyone so crippled and disabled. She was so crippled that her, her arms were stiff, her, her head was in her chest, and he wheeled her into a table and very pleasantly um, wheeled her next to a chair, lifted her up out of the wheelchair, and when he lifted her up, she looked like a mannequin. She was so stiff. Put her in the seat. He would gently lift her chin and spoon food into her mouth. And we could hardly watch. But I kept thinking to myself, hero, hero. Here was this not-so-old couple and he adored her so much that he did not want her to miss getting to have Sunday lunch out. Wow. Heroes. Mentors. Wow. We have been talking about that. These last weeks we've been talking about heroes and how we all have and are mentors to others. And we learned why Timothy mentioned, why Paul mentioned Timothy. And the next verse is, Paul is going to mention yet another hero of the faith, Epaphroditus. Very different from Timothy and just as needed. Um, James Montgomery Boyce said this, there are three basic areas where Christian co-workers are needed today. We need Christian thinkers, co-laborers in the area of social needs and in the area of evangelism. We will learn today what was special and needed about this particular co-worker of Paul's. So first of all, number one on your outline, first point on your outline, what were the circumstances involved? How did this happen? How did um, Epaphroditus emerge? What was going on here? when this happened. Much of this has been put together through historic uh, documents and biblically historic documents that help us to understand what were the circumstances that were going on at this time when Paul was imprisoned in Rome. First of all, A, what was the background? Epaphroditus was sent to Paul 
from Philippi. Look with me to Philippians 2, 25 through 27. It says this, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your message and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Verse 27, and he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So we're learning that the Philippians had taken up an offering for Paul and dispatched an envoy to make the 800-mile trek. little history here for you. Are you okay with that? Good. Um, uh, because under the Roman prison system, I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but under the Roman prison system, prisoners were not provided for in the area of food, clothing, or medical care. And so they were off on their own unless family and friends intervened and brought food, brought clothing, brought medical attention, doctors, whatever they needed into the prisons. The Roman government did not take care of those things. So strong, healthy, godly Epaphroditus was chosen by the church to go to Rome. The practice was when sending large sums of money, the messenger would not travel alone. That makes sense, doesn't it? And so a, a number of people, they would all travel together as they made that trek of um, that many 800 miles from, from Philippia, Philippi to Rome. And so this was an envoy of people taking the, the messenger with them so that he wouldn't have to travel alone. The most likely thing that happened is that one of his traveling companions returned when, when uh, Epaphroditus got ill, so gravely ill, that he went back to Philippi and said, oh my goodness, uh, Epaphroditus is a very sick, let's just be sure that we're praying for him and you know all that. I just wanted you to know, church, what has happened here. We don't know what the future holds, but he is very, very ill. So at least one messenger went back, probably to the Philippian church is what they um, are thinking happened, while the rest of the companions went on to Rome with Epaphroditus. They stayed with him and got him to Rome, apparently nursing him along the way. Now, apparently when he got to Rome, Epaphroditus, as much as he was able, we don't know what the illness was or how ill, although it does say he almost died at one point anyway. So, but at, once he got to Rome, he went, around, uh, went on, went about his assigned task of caring for Paul. Amazing. B, what was Paul's response? Apparently, as Paul observed the suffering young man, he decided to send him home, and he explains later on why he did. He wanted the Philippian church to understand why Epaphroditus was returning so quickly and to welcome him. Church back there, thank you for sending Epaphroditus. He's coming home. It's not that he shirked his responsibility. In fact, he's done amazingly, but he's ill, and he's distressed that you know that he's ill, so I'm sending him on to you, and here is why. Notice, um, I, well, first of all, I love the way that Paul describes Epaphroditus. It reveals his leadership style. I want you to go back to verse 25. Look at how Paul describes him. Among other things, we will discuss in a minute, a fellow worker, fellow worker. Notice that he doesn't say, and by the way, I'm sending my support staff. I'm sending my servant 
who has come to take care of my needs. There's none of that kind of terminology from Paul. Fellow worker. We're in this thing together. No matter what our job description is, doesn't make one person, you know, any more lofty than the other one, is the, is the tone that Paul is using. Paul would not allow Epaphroditus to spend his time in Rome just making him, Paul, comfortable. He didn't want that. He, went, he wanted Epaphroditus to be exactly where God wanted him to be. So what were the character traits presented here in this passage of Scripture? First, A, first Epaphroditus was a balanced Christian. Balanced Christian. Look at verse 25 again. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. Notice the terms that Paul uses to describe him. A brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and a ministerer of needs. He clearly was balanced in that he had a heart for ministry he had, and for deep relationships, but also on top of that, he was a fighter. He, he standing strong for the cause of Christ. He wasn't some wimpy, oh, my dear Paul, what can I do for you today, dearest? friend, you know, that's wonderful. And he had that, that, uh, those characteristics as well, but he was also a fighter. We're in here to fight for the cause of Christ. We want to help the Lord bring people to the kingdom. And so we see not only that sweet ministry spirit, relationship-oriented man, but we also see a soldier, a fighter. Um, he was clearly balanced, standing strong for the cause of Christ. Bob was asked to be an interim a while ago in a very small little church, and he was meeting with the um, search committee, and he was saying, hey, you know, what are your goals for growing and, you know, adding to the numbers in our congregation, and, you know, wh wh what's your thoughts on that? And they said, wait a minute, what? Growth? We don't want growth. We, we like ourselves. We enjoy coming in Sunday morning and seeing our brothers and sisters that we're used to. We love this fellowship. We don't want to grow. Wow. I'm not going to say any more. I'm just going to throw it out there. But you, you've heard of Dr. Ironside, famous, famous pastor from um, years ago in Philadelphia, and he told a story of a church that was much like that, content to be just them. And they had a sign outside the church that said in big, bold letters, Jesus only. Jesus only. And then one day the sign blew down and some of the letters fell off of that sign and the sign now said, us only. <laughs> Not balanced, do you think? No. Anyway, the church loved fellowship. Um, the the Philippian church love fellowship, and that is certainly a big part. We need church fellowship. Um, and Epaphroditus was described as a brother and a minister. That, that says fellowship to me. That says relationship to me. But also a fellow worker and soldier, fellow worship, a worker and soldier. Yes, fellowship is a much part needed part of our church fellowship, but we are also to further the cause of Christ like Epaphroditus did. Epaphroditus. I keep saying, I want to change his name all the time, sorry. Epaphroditus. <laughs> Correct me every time I say it, okay? Anyway, but let's take a look at each of those traits to analyze what it means 
and what it means in our lives as well. That's the purpose of looking into the life of some of these greats in Scripture that God has, um, that Holy Spirit is inspired to be written about, to say, hey, how can I apply this in my life? What are some character traits that I need to have um, exhibited in my life as well? So first of all, number one, he was described as a brother, a brother. Paul calls him his brother. Other translations say my brother even. Now, number one, A, on your outline, interestingly, he is not a family member. He was not Paul's brother. Paul is bringing up a new concept of relationship in a very divided culture. At that time, especially among the Jews, there was a vi- they were very, very divided. They were divided by tribe. You know, it was sort of like, I'm from the tribe of Judah. I'm from the tribe of Reuben. I wonder why I use those words, Reuben and Judah. (laughs) My grandsons. Anyway. But not only in the Jewish community, but the whole world at that point was divided in that way. Jews and Romans and Greeks or Gentiles, slave and free, male and female, and on and on it goes. There was a tremendous division among the peoples of the world at that time. These divisions were pronounced and very powerful, but... Jesus, but Jesus, introduced a new order. I love this verse, Galatians 3.28. You might want to jot it down for future look at, but I love it. It says this, there is neither, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. We are all one. In Christ Jesus. Do you love it? When we are in the family of God, there's no divisions. There's no hierarchy. There's no, you know, well, I'm this and you're that. There's none of that. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And Paul was presenting that concept here. So Paul calls Epaphroditus his brother, and he has a he, he introduces a very interesting concept. Small b on your outline. He was a family member through Christ. Through Jesus, he was a family member. Jesus makes us brothers and sisters through his blood. We are now, quote, unquote, blood relatives. Wow. That is what Paul is saying. Epaphroditus is a brother and a family member through Jesus and Jesus alone. I think sometimes the shared commonality of having a relationship with Jesus can be even deeper than even true blood ties. Don't you think sometimes? Wow. Spiritual brothers and sisters. Now, you all know that as, uh, as I was growing up on the mission field, we were um, so far removed from the United States, and we were in a very rural part of Japan. I literally lived next to a rice paddy. And um, so because we were isolated, there was another American family in the area, but pfft, they were busy doing bi- their work, and we were busy doing ours, and so we rarely got to see them. So we, it, it built a very strong bond um, as a family. And um, we, we really just had a close-knit family because of being a little bit isolated. But when Bob and I moved to South Florida, we were physically very far away from my family, which for the most part was in the Midwest, God's country. <laughs> anyway... Um, And as a young wife and mother, the fellowship I developed with my church family were deep and meaningful, and it filled that void. 
in our, in our hearts, in my heart. And I still have some of those deep relationships left over from that family that I began to develop in my loneliness of being physically separated from my blood family. I knew ha now had a new, quote, unquote, blood family through Jesus. Wow. We, we, we never replaced my family, but it became, the family became bigger. We were involved in each other's life on even a, a, a deeper, deeper level. Roby, in one of his sermons uh, recently, told a story about this um, Scottish pastor. He was in the highlands of Scotland. And do you love the way I said that? Yeah. <laughs> and um, long, t long time ago, and it's, it's probably a made-up story, but it's so powerful, that um, he... <laughs> he um, he had a young man come and visit him in his Highland home. And um, the young man had been a part of his fellowship for years and years and years, and he had kind of walked away from it, and they were sitting in front of the fireplace. And um, the pastor you know, was asking him questions, and he said, hey, the young man said, you know, I can worship out in nature. I can be on the golf course. Well, he didn't say that in the old days, but, you know, I can be out on the golf course and worship God. I can be on my boat on the intercoastal and worship God. You know, I, I don't need to be sitting in a church pew to worship God. And the pastor was nodding and nodding. And as this man was going, young man was going on and on about, you know, that he didn't really need to be in the church building or with the church fellowship and all that, the pastor just quietly stuck his tongs in the fireplace and he'd pull out like a, a coal and he put it on the hearth. And then he'd pull out another one and he put it on the hearth. And the young man looked over and he goes, oh my goodness, they're kind of um, fizzling out. They're, 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 not, they're not on fire anymore. And the pastor nodded and said, we need each other. We need each other to have our glow, to have our warmth, to have our job description, which is heating the fire. We need each other. That's the idea here. We become blood brothers and sisters through Christ Jesus. Wow. Number two, he was described as a fellow worker. Again, verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker. Um, not, it was not just about brotherhood and fellowship, but we are to be co-laborers co-laborers, co-workers, as, as Paul said. We are working for the same cause to bring a harvest of believers to Jesus. And I love that God developed so many different ways for us to accomplish that harvest according to the gifts he gives each of us. Though some are very visible, like preaching and teaching perhaps. Others are through service and generosity so that people can look into their lives and say, wow, what is different about you? Why are you so generous, for goodness sake? Or, or why are, how can you smile when you're going through what you're going through? Wow, what is it about you that's different? And so God has many different ways of using us for us to use our coals <laughs> in our lives to minister to the people around us. We are not a Christian club. We are to encourage one another and be family and then go out and co-labor, co-labor. Number three, he was also described as a fellow soldier. Again, verse 25, I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. 
as a co-laborer, he was on the front line of battle. And by this statement, he was joining in the battle that was already going on, a battle to bring people to Jesus Christ. That's why Paul had ended up in Rome. And, and we've, we've already talked about how even in prison, chained to a guard, he was bringing people to the Lord. That it even talks about how Herod's household was coming to, to Jesus. So the, the job at hand was to bring fellow Christians to the Lord in the uh, city of Rome. He came to town, saw what was happening, and joined as a fellow worker and fellow soldier. It reminds me of Nehemiah. You had that in your, your homework. And some of you were with us when we studied the book of Nehemiah. It was such an interesting picture as this group of uh, Jewish followers were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. They, it, they were battling the people around them that did not want this accomplished. And remember the story, they would have a, a trowel or a shovel, it's called, in one hand, and a sword in the other. And so they'd build, build, build with their shovel. And then as, as the enemy came into camp, they'd have to pull out their swords. And so at the same time as working, they were defending. They were being soldiers as well as builders. And that's kind of the idea here. Um, similar to Nehemiah, as he led in the rebuilding of the wall, they, he, with a shovel in one hand, trowel in one hand, and a sword in the other. That was exactly what Nehemiah was doing. Warren Wearsby says this, we cannot build with a sword or battle with a trowel. It takes both to get the Lord's work accomplished. And isn't that true? As a co-worker, he was also a soldier for Jesus Christ. He had to go to war. He had to go to war against the evil one that does not want the cause of Christ to move forward. And so he was not only a co-laborer, co-worker, he, he was also a soldier for Christ. Epaphroditus was balanced. Also, B, Epaphroditus was a burdened Christian. First of all, number one, he was concerned about Paul. Once again, um, verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger, and minister to my needs. Minister to my need. Like Timothy, he was concerned about others. Epaphroditus was not all about him. Hey, I am sick today. I just have to lie in bed, Paul. I'm sorry I can't come in and bring you your food for today, but pff, you know I'm having a rough time. Do you have any aspirin? I mean, really, me, I am tired, I'm weary, I'm sick. I almost died, for goodness sake. There's none of that about him. When he heard in Philippi that Paul was a prisoner, he willingly made the long, dangerous trip to Rome to be at Paul's side. He was a people person. He was concerned about others. He carried the church's love gift with him and protected it with his life. How grateful we are here at Sharon House. I think we, we say it all the time, and I, I don't think we can quit saying it, how grateful we are for the sacrificial gifts and, and participation of the people coming into this ministry. I mean, can I quickly tell you the canned goods and food that you all are bringing and others are bringing in to Sharon House right now as we're preparing for the single mom Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Wow, it's such a blessing to see people coming together with hearts for ministry. And how about people who have given their, their lives and participated in mission trips to, to further the kingdom? Ileana just got back. Wow, you know, going into areas that, that maybe don't even have running water. 
I know West Pines went to a church and helped them build a, a well, for goodness sake, they didn't have running water. Wow, Th these people who have sacrificed their, their lives to go on mission trips to follow, to further the kingdom. That was the spirit and conviction of Epaphroditus. Someone said, the problem in churches is that we have too many spectators and not enough participants. Wow, not enough participants. We all need to be self-analytical and ask ourselves, am I as burdened as I should be? Am I doing, being, all that God has called to me, called me to do, has called for me to do personally? What does he want me to do? And am I, am, am I following his call in my life? effectively. Number two, he was concerned about his church. Look at verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Remember we talked about one of the envoy apparently went back to Philippi to tell them what was going on in Epaphroditus's life. And so what, what is going on? Instead of saying, oh, I'm just so sick. I'm glad I have all this prayer support back in Philippi. He's, he's burdened. <laughs> he's concerned that his friends and fellow church members are in, uh, in uh, Philippi concerned about him. Wow, amazing. He was sick, but he was distressed because they were worried about him. Um, amazing that he was not more self-absorbed, that he was task-oriented and not self-absorbed. Certainly had the attitude of, for me to live as Christ, just like Paul did. That was his, his, um, uh, that was his calling on his life. Now, the word for distressed here, or full of heaviness, as it says in the King James Version, is the same description of Jesus when he was in Gethsemane. It talks about Jesus being distressed as he was preparing to go to be crucified on our behalf. The same word for distressed is what is used for Epaphroditus as he's been concerned, distressed for his fellow believers in Philippi. Wow. Epaphroditus knew the meaning of sacrifice and service that was from the Lord. He had a heart like the Lord. He almost died ministering to Paul's needs. And according to verse 30, for he, neither, he merely died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now, so, quick sidebar. It almost sounds like Paul saying, you know, really, guys, you didn't do anything to help me. But that is not exactly what he meant. He was not complaining about their lack of help. Um, and it sounds clearer in other uh, translation, NIV. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. New Living t uh, Translation says this. He was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from afar. So he wasn't complaining and saying, come on, guys. You know, can't you be doing more for me? No, it was, he was saying, you know, you, you're far, far away, 800 miles. And so he is doing the task that you called him to do across the miles on, my, on, on your behalf. In other words, number three, he, Epaphroditus, was concerned to carry his message. Again, verse 25, your messenger and minister to my needs. He was carrying the church's message. 
He wasn't a lone ranger. He didn't just show up on his own to help. He was sent under the authority of the church. He wasn't acting on his own. He was a part of the church's body. And being such an honorable man, he felt accountable to be the messenger for his church. So see on your outline, Epaphroditus was an honored Christian. Again, verse 28 through 30. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what is lacking in your service to me, or as we read a minute ago in the New Living Translation, in, uh, to complete while doing for me what you could not do from far away. Wow. So number one, as an honored Christian, number one, he was a blessing. First, he was a blessing to Paul. He stood with him in his prison experience, not allowing his own sickness to hinder him from doing some of the things that he needed to do on Paul's behalf. He was also a blessing to his church in Philippi because of his sacrifice and service in spite of his personal needs. Notice that he puts the needs of others above his own, doesn't he? Wow, puts his needs above his own. He, and he, guess what? He's also a blessing to us today as we thousands of years later read a story. He's a mentor to us as we say, okay, Lord, what, you know, I want to be an Epaphroditus. What in my life is lacking? How am, I, how am I not stepping up to the plate like he did? What are some areas of weakness? And thank you, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, I do see this one little glimmer of hope um, in my life compared to Epaphroditus. And so he's a mentor, a hero for us as we read about his, his life all these years later. We are encouraged and challenged to follow his example to the people around us in the same way. And so, number two, he was to be blessed. Paul is saying not only has he blessed me and blessed the Roman church and blessed you by being your emissary to me, now as I send him back, I want him to be blessed by you. I want him to be lifted up and honored. Look, verse 29, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Another verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 13, uh, 12 through 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. It's a biblical mandate to honor those who are the elders of our churches, who are doing the work of our churches, who are working away diligently, doing the task uh, in our churches. By using Epaphroditus, he is admonishing us to honor these leaders who have servants' hearts, who are foot washers, like the example of Jesus that he pr presented earlier in the passage. We are to honor and minister to servant leaders, not those who are searching, seeking prestige and position, want the best seats in the house. I'm a leader here. Not that type. The servants that have the heart of Jesus, the ultimate servant. What a lesson to us in the Christian community, not for leaders to be looked for in honor position, expecting the best seats to be idol worshipped, like we talked a couple weeks ago. Bob recently, I hate to tell you this story, but Bob recently um, preached in a church where the lead pastor literally 
sat in a gold throne. Wow. <laughs> what a contrast to the one who deserved a solid gold throne. Jesus, the most high God, omnipotent creator and sustainer of the vast universe in infathomable numbers of galaxies, literally came to earth and wash the feet of his disciples that he created. What a contrast. And I want you to think about those feet a little bit. I'm not going to say anything to you about <laughs> the condition of their feet and their sandals in the muddy streets with donkeys, etc. <laughs> say no more. God, in the flesh, washed feet. Wow. Wow. Paphroditus, an example of a servant leader that we are to honor and love and come alongside and labor with. What can we learn? Paul has presented us two fellow laborers for Jesus, Timothy and Epaphroditus, as an example for us to follow, presenting pr principles of conduct that only the Philippian church, not only the Philippian church, but we can follow as well in our lives. They exemplified the commitment and faithfulness to the gospel that he hoped all who read the letter, including us, would follow. And actually, Paul himself <coughs> excuse me, was an example. He truly practiced what he preached by putting the interests of others above his own, by sending Timothy and Epaphroditus back to Philippi. As he did that, remember this, he was leaving himself alone, unattended, chained to a guard, not knowing if tomorrow morning they were going to come up and say, okay, Paul, this is your day. You're going to be beheaded, which eventually was. He, he was... He was in the interest of others, sending them back, leaving himself alone in the care of God. Pretty, pretty good place to be, though, I think, don't you? Anyway, he was thinking of the welfare of others when his situation was even worse. How about us? That's the question that we need to walk away with. Are we self-absorbed or are we self-forgetful as we go about kingdom work? What we are to do is we are to find our gifts, Romans 12, 4 through 6. I've probably read this a hundred times before because it's one of my favorites, but boy, I say that about a lot of passages, don't I? <laughs> anyway, Romans 12, 4 through 6. For just as each of us are, has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, you know, my feet don't do the same thing as my hands, hopefully, um, and all that. Um, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So what the verse is saying is all of us, as we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit living within us, and he gifts each of us with tasks to do. And here's the interesting thing. We belong to each other. 
Our gifts belong to each other. The Holy Spirit given gifts belong to each other. Those of you who have mercy uh, uh, need to show mercy on the rest of us. Those of us who have the, the, the gift of generosity need to give it to the others. Those of us who have leadership qualities need to give it to others. Those who have administrative skills need to give it to, to others. It belongs to each other. We don't hoard it for ourselves and say, oh, I'm just so glad I have this gift of mercy. I'm going to just be merciful to myself all day long. <laughs> we are to be, we, we belong and our gifts belong to one another. So all of us need to find our gifts and get to work because these gifts from the Holy Spirit are for each other, not to be hoarded, but to be used in each other's life, just like Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus uh, did. And I've often used our, our Bible study team as an example, and it's so true. They have found their gifts, haven't they? And they have quietly gone about blessing us with their Holy Spirit-given gifts. Mercy, administration, uh, generosity, and the list goes on. And they've given them to us. And that's why this Bible study, can I just say, is a well-oiled machine. Wow. Isn't it? Yes. And we can, we can kind of celebrate that today on our last day. <laughs> and that's because as we've had these uh, Holy Spirit giftings and they're each other's and they're dispensed on each other's behalf, then Jesus is freed to do what he desires to do within a Christian community. Wow, wow, wow. As we close for the fall, there's another great lesson for us to ponder. Um, you know, as we think about being grateful, thinking about the people in our lives that are grateful. And I, I'm, I, as, as we think about Thanksgiving, the first group that comes to my mind is the pilgrims. You know, you think about the pilgrims and how they sacrificed so much and, you know, they, they, they left their secure homes, getting on rickety uh, boats. Uh, one of them or two of them never made it, Right. And um, they, so that we could enjoy our freedom of worship, the freedom that we have to gather in a ministry like this and in our churches on, on Sundays and Wednesdays and Saturday nights and all the times that we gather to worship together, they sacrificed so much so that we could enjoy that freedom. We want to be grateful for that. And they rejoiced on Thanksgiving. This is the interesting thing to me. For all God had done for them, even though... They lost more than 50% of their families through disease and starvation. And what did they do? Held a feast to honor God. Wow. May we not forget that in, in our homes this season when we are uh, celebrating our Thanksgiving feast. Number two, but even more importantly, Jesus who we learned in Philippians 2, 6, and 7. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, Christmas time. Not only the likeness of man, but in the form of a squalling baby. Wow. Born from a human womb. Is that something to be grateful for? Is that mentoring? Is that a, 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 a um, hero for us to take a look at? As we go into this holy day season from Thanksgiving and then on to Christmas, may we worship 
May our worship be ever changed because we have studied these truths. As we have looked into the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul, and we remember the heroes around in our lives, um, from the the pilgrims on through the Lord to um, each other and all these kinds of things, let us be all about how can I serve? How can I mentor? How can I be a hero?